0: I said well how do you do a triathlon and being Jacques he said well you enter the race and then you do it and that's how you become a triathlete so that was how I got into it. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water become a better swimmer and live a better life. Here's your host Brenton Ford.
1: Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Taryn Jessel. Now if you've followed our youtube channel in the last couple of months you will have seen two analysis videos of uh what's titled triathlon taren but uh these are two videos where i analyzed taren's stroke and we did them about six months apart and tarn's made some pretty impressive improvements over that time and um just continues to get better so Taryn, welcome first of all to the podcast
0: thanks for having me i've been excited to do everything we've done together. When you originally agreed to take a look at my stroke last summer in 2018, I was like, no way, this is going to be fun. And <laughs> it worked out really well. So I'm pumped to be on the call here.
1: Well, for that, those that are listening who uh, may not know um, about you and, and your background, and um, I guess you've got, a, you've got a big audience on, on YouTube and um, through social media, sort of following your, your journey in triathlon. What's your, what's your background and how'd you get into it?
0: Uh, I got into, well, I guess a question, either YouTube or triathlon? Both. Both, okay, well, I got into triathlon about 10 years ago, and I was not a very healthy person as I was growing up. I had a family that our version of healthy eating was like chicken fingers and homemade honey dill sauce. And the (laughs) high end uh, instant fries, <laughs> that was our healthy eating as I was growing up. And in my early 20s, I ballooned up to about 215 pounds, and on a five foot eight frame, that's not a very healthy weight. So in my earlier mid-20s, I started gradually losing weight, but I was doing it through bodybuilding and like eating boiled chicken breast and, and didn't really know what I was doing. I got down to about 175 pounds, but it, it wasn't healthy and I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I certainly didn't enjoy the eating, I didn't really enjoy the training because going and lifting dumbbells when I was really solitary by myself and grunting out like deadlifts, it's not fun. And thankfully I ended up getting uh, fairly injured trying to do a max bench press and um, that ended up basically ending for a few months any sort of weightlifting that I could do. So I started walking on the treadmill one day. And then I thought, oh, this is boring. And then I interspersed walking on the treadmill with riding a stationary bike. And then I was riding the stationary bike one day and I look over at the pool and I went, hey, I used to swim as a kid. I bet you I could go in the pool. And I pieced it all together. And I remembered that there was a friend who I went to university with, who I later found out was an elite, like top 30 in the world, under 19 kind of triathlete. And I called him and I said, hey, Jacques, do you think I could do a triathlete? This is what I've been doing lately. And he went, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, how do you do a triathlon? And being Jacques, he said, well, you enter the race and then you (laughs) do it. And that's how you become a triathlete. So that was how I got into it. And that many years later eventually kind of spawned into wanting to have a little bit of a creative outlet. So I started teaching myself how to make videos and. And uh, I wanted it to be about something that I had the most fun with in my life, and that was doing triathlon. So I started this YouTube channel just kind of kicking around on iMovie and editing some movies on an iPad at first. and that was how it all started.
1: And now you've got I saw 60,000 subscribers on YouTube, so it's not a, not a small audience by any means. And what, uh, what do you feel like is really? Um, has drawn in the the audience. Why why do you think people like to watch your videos, and what do they what do they get out of them?
0: Uh, you know, that's it's hard for me to say because I I'm not sure if it's the fact that when I started there wasn't that many triathlon channels out there. There was Ironman, there was the World Triathlon Channel, and that's about it. So for the longest time, I was just kind of talking into a vacuum and. That helped me grow at the start, but when was that? Was a, when did you start? I started four years ago now, almost, uh, almost exactly. Hmm. And there was a time about two years into it that all I was doing was just giving tips, and I was standing in front of a camera just giving tips, and I realized that it was kind of a one-way conversation. So. February 1st of 2017, we changed it to a daily video which was kind of a vlog format and that's when it really started expanding because I think people saw what I was doing for a living and they they met my wife and they met the people that work with me, they saw my dogs, they saw that I was just an age grouper like them trying to fit in triathlon to everyday life And maybe I'd been in it more years. So I had a few more tips than they had. And uh, and it's hard to say exactly why people tune in. I mean, I'm just kind of a a short, slightly chubby guy that isn't tremendously fast from a really cold country. Um, So it it still kind of shocks me when people tune in
1: in the amounts that they have that you mentioned there. It's kind of baffling to me. No, I think it's, And the reason i sort of ask it you know what do people get out of it i think it's um i sort of ask that in a in a way where i i I know that um you you do give very good tips and you go into detail but it's also very entertaining you do it in a in a way that's natural and you're just being yourself and and in a way i think you're you're very much the um very much the sort of guide so that the way i had it i sort of heard it a few months ago was um, you've got the hero and you've got the the guide in a lot of stories and with, um, you know, and one of the things that people want to be is they want to be the hero of their own story. And, you know, if you can be the guide for them, if you can maybe point them in the right direction, then that's a, that's a a much sort of better way to be if you're the sort of person, um, in front of the camera. And I think, you know, it's, you're there to help people and, um, and also entertain and, and make jokes and all this sort of stuff. And I think you do a really good job at that. And one of the things that um, you've also done really well in terms of being the, the guide is you've brought in a lot of high-level well, professional triathletes and high-level coaches. And um, you've had them on the podcast and on your YouTube channel and just getting all these different perspectives and, and sharing that. And one of those ones was with uh, Lucy Charles where you've um, done some videoing with her and um, interviewed her and, and got a lot of information on what she works on with her swimming and what was what were some of the things that you learned from lucy over the last couple of months
0: yeah i got to spend about a week with lucy and her new husband reese barkley who uh is really interesting to, to see the two of them together because one of the things that i ended up learning from them is how different an open water triathlon stroke is from a pool stroke because lucy is this amazing Open water swimmer that's setting records and gapping the field with the best athletes in the world. Meanwhile, when she and Reese were growing up and they were swimming in the pool, Reese was way faster. He was a pure pool swimmer. And you can see his stroke right now. He's got the really high elbow um, recovery. He's got a really strong kick, um, like very, very pretty. Whereas Lucy is kind of scrappy. And then when they went into open water, started taking up triathlon, all of a sudden, Lucy was way faster and to hear and see them swim side by side and see the differences between like their elbows, between their stroke rates between shoulder driven versus hip driven between their kick like it's like it's a completely different sport, and to see how different uh they are when they perform in the pool versus open water, it's really neat and uh And then also just the dedication of the amount of yards and meters that they've had to swim over the years to become that good is pretty inspiring.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it definitely feels like a different sport, doesn't it? When you go from just swimming in the pool to maybe doing your first open water race, you can get out of it and go, Oh my God, what was that? Like, I remember the first open water (laughs) swim I did. Um, I, where was it? I was about 14 years of age. And I was good at distance swimming in the pool, but did my first open water swim and just got beaten by people that that shouldn't have beaten me. And I didn't even know what sighting was, uh, no idea <laughs> about any of that or drafting. I, I remember some of the parents talking about drafting, and I was, it took me three years to actually understand what that was. And uh, it's just it's just completely different. So I think one of the things that helps with that is just getting the experience in the open water. You just can't you can't beat the experience in. In training and, and racing open water, but then uh, there are certainly those, those stroke changes and what sort of changes have you made in your stroke to to go open water have you changed, have you been able to, uh, to change that in the last couple of uh, years as you've gotten more and more experience in racing
0: yeah one of the things that I battle over the last about eighteen months or so is um, I ended up developing a really, really long, slow, kind of catch-up-y style stroke. And I did this because one of the first big swim projects that I did, I wanna say it was 2013 or 14, basically when I became like a proficient swimmer, I wanted to set a, a bit of a mark in my life that, that marked a, a turning point in my life where Growing up, I was always quite afraid of the water. I overcame that as I got into triathlon and I wanted to have that, that stamp of approval that said, I'm not afraid of the water anymore. I've changed my life. And I decided to do a 27 kilometer open water swim. And I, I did that. And a few years later, we uh, a couple friends and I, we did another open water swim. This one was 37 kilometers. And in training for that, I trained myself just to go long and slow and be as loose and relaxed as possible and what I developed was this long, catch-up-y, glide-y, pausing, like kind of a pretty pool stroke but really wasn't very good for anything besides going long and slow. And over the last 18 months or so, I've tried to make that a lot scrappier, a lot quicker with the turnover try to get that into the, the 70s and 80s, and sometimes even set the tempo trainer up to 100 and see if I can hold that for five or six strokes. And also, um, in addition to just getting rid of that pause at the front of the stroke, having like firmer arms, I don't really know a, a good swim term to describe it, but like just being more forceful with the water instead of letting the water kind of turn me into a noodle and just going with it to conserve energy for those nine-hour swims, being more forceful and punchy, um, which you, mm. you commented on. I still have a long way to go. But um, if you had seen me two years ago, I, I looked like a, an 80-year-old guy in the, per, in the pool <laughs> that, that was just like just out for like, oh, well, I'm out for a little, little morning swim. And uh, I'm trying to get away from that
1: yeah and that it's um it, it's it's been good to see those well the the changes so we did the the video late last year and then we did another video a few weeks ago and if you haven't seen it yet for those that are listening jump on youtube and um jump onto our channel and you can see um you can see those those two before and after videos and the changes are very subtle as you know you know one of the things that you changed was you'd improved your kick where you're coming up higher on the up kick your heel was just breaking the surface and your your thigh was coming up above the the hip line, and that allowed you to have a bit more, uh, ro- a bit more room and a bit more um, space to then have a more effective down kick, and you know really subtle changes like that add up to a couple of seconds per per hundred, and to to develop your kick, you've done quite a bit of um, work on keeping tautness through the core and, and just developing the kick overall. Um, as I know you follow, um, Joe Rodriguez is Tau Twenty Six workouts, what sort of stuff were you doing to help with your kick?
0: Yeah, that was really interesting. If you talk to Jerry or listen to Jerry's podcast, uh, I'm sure as anyone who hears it will hear inevitably that you aren't really concerned about your kick as a triathlete. And then my first winter swimming with Jerry, all of a sudden there are sets where 70% of the set was kick and I'm like, what is going on here? And he coaches you through all of these workouts and he would explain that we weren't really kicking for the sake of kicking, like from the sake of getting propulsion up and getting a lot of speed out of it and being able to kick like a, a one minute 100 like, like elite swimmers can. It's more to tighten up the body and tighten up that kick. And it's almost like a cue to activate your core. Because if you got these real loosey-goosey legs that are going and scissor kicking and flailing all over the place and are separating a lot, uh, you're not gonna be really tight in your core and you're not gonna have a lot of body awareness to, I I compare it to being like a log getting pushed across the surface of the water. You can push that log across the surface of the water even if it's 10,000 pounds. And you can push it across the surface of the water really quickly. But a pool noodle, even though it weighs one pound, you can't really push it across the surface of the water very quickly because it's all wiggly and loosey-goosey. So the kick was like developing your body from the toes up into that log. So we did a huge amount of kicking starting with fins, a snorkel, and a board, and then we gradually took away the board, and then we gradually took away the fins, and then we added the fins back in and went onto our side, and then we took the snorkel away on the side, and then we added in hand channel swimming with and without the snorkel, just all different kinds of variations of kick that as I was going through it, I'm like, I don't think I'm getting any faster. And then magically, when we started getting away from the pure drill work over the course of this past winter and actually getting into some real good, fast pure swimming, my times, they just plummeted. like. Three seconds off per hundred average. Four seconds off per hundred average. Ten seconds off per hundred average, and it didn't feel like I really changed that much when I sent you the video. I was like, I don't know if there's going to be much of a difference from six months ago, but to your trained eye, you you saw, I guess, what Jerry
1: had me working on, and
0: uh, like you say, it was subtle, but but really effective.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's re- it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Um... I had someone in our membership who he had a similar thing in terms of his legs. He was try, he, he had to work on keeping them closer together, more behind the body. They were just splaying out too wide on most of the strokes. And like you're talking about, they were sort of that you know loosey goose behind the body. And it was just creating a lot of extra drag. So one of the things that I had him do was wear um, a pool boy and band and just get used to keeping the legs in closer together. And he said for, for four, that was five weeks he practiced it, and he just didn't feel like he was making any improvement with it it just he was kind of like i'm just stuck in this rut with it and then two weeks after that he had this breakthrough moment where his times came down it was it was five seconds per hundred um for his you know his normal swim sets and it was it was a result of just focusing on on the legs and what the legs are doing so while with a lot of triathletes yeah you're not looking to work on propulsion with them but you do need to keep them tight you need to keep that kick effective and um, and that leads into that that tightness through the core so it's um it was it was really really good to see because you know I, I had to look hard at i really had to look hard at what were the differences between before and after because they were so so subtle and um you know i had to look at it a few times to see what those differences were but it was it was just really interesting to me just as a as a coach to um be able to see you know, a couple months of work on the kick to then see what changes it actually makes when you slow it down on the, on the video. So it's, uh, it's really, really, uh, really good. And so now one of the things, oh, sorry, you go.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I had a question for you. Do you think that you would have had the eye to spot that difference, say five years ago, 10 years ago?
1: No way. No, not at all. It's, um, over the last four years, or five years is when I've really started to do a lot more videoing with people. And I like, even today, I'm still learning and I'm still, I still talk with other coaches and I like to get their take on things. And they just help me look for, to to look at other aspects of the stroke and, and in more detail. And no, definitely not. Even, even two years ago, I don't think I probably would have spotted that um, or really? necessarily looked for it. Just because, oh, yeah, I've, over the last couple of years, there's been, um, uh, it would be at least 3000 if not 4000 analysis videos that I've done with uh with different people over the last few years and it's just the more you do it the the more you start to look at things and 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 this, I guess the easier it becomes but yeah it was and I think taking the time to do it too you know where I wanted to make sure that I I did a good job with this video and that I um and that I gave Something that was sort of valuable for people watching, and so I I really looked at it quite a few times to to make sure that I was right in those in those things. So um, yeah, d- just that alone, you know. It's uh, and that's another thing that kind of I'll add to my memory bank and then be able to use with other people who might be in a similar situation. So it's um, yeah, no, definitely not. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have seen it a couple of years ago. And I've been coaching these two young kids, these two junior kids who um. Um, helping work towards getting a, a national time for their, well, some, some of their 50 and 100-meter events. And with their kick, well, they weren't doing much kick at all in training. And that's one thing that I've been coaching them twice a week. 60% of the session is is kick for them because especially for those uh, pool swimmers, it is such a big part of the of the stroke. And so we've just been doing, you know, yeah, 50 to 60% of the, the swim sessions just kick. Some of it's just longer kick, but we're also doing a lot of 50s time just going fast. And in the space of six weeks, these kids dropped down, uh, both of them, a bit over two seconds in their 50 freestyle, and now they're 0.04 and 0.1 off their national times. Um, and a majority of that, I'd say, is down to their kick. That's one of the main things we've worked on. So um, it, is, it is really important, even though you don't need it necessarily as a, uh, as a triathlete.
0: That sounds like an awful swim set, 60% of the swims being, <laughs> being kick.
1: Well, yeah, I used to, I used to catch a master squad and uh, whenever I'd put kick up on the board, there was just like, it was a roll of the eyes and people would just switch off. So you've got to pick your audience. And, but these kids, are motiv- these kids are motivated and they want to get their actual time. So as long as I, I tie it into, this is going to help you, then they'll do it. So um, oh, it's yeah. bit, it can be a bit harder to do try it with, that uh, with, with some other people. And- yeah, oh, yeah exactly and, and athletes like bouncing off the bulkhead, going backwards oh it's like yeah that's right and you know jerry, jerry can get away with it he's got the uh he's got the credentials and everything to uh so you know do this kick and, you, and it will help but um yeah try doing that at uh, at most squads you'll have a hard time <laughs> Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and now one of the other things that uh we looked at was well we, we talked about as letting go letting it go you know just being a bit uh a bit more assertive in the stroke and not trying to be overly controlled with it. And so how, how are you going with that first of all? And um, how do you interpret that? I guess that kind of offhanded phrase of just let it go a bit. And how do you interpret that and put that into your stroke?
0: That's actually a really interesting thing because as you said it, I started thinking, okay, well, yeah, I think I could be a little bit less mechanical and by nature, I'm, I'm really analytical and I wanna get each aspect of it right. Um, but then I started looking actually interestingly enough at some run footage of me and I went, in that I'm really stiff too, like there my upper body is really stiff and I'm trying to hold my arms in a certain position. And I think that that's kind of just the nature of me as an athlete that I'm, I've never been a really natural athlete, my brother, is a guy that you could give him a ball and be like, all right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna throw this ball into that hoop and you'll score a point and he'll be like, what's this called again? Like basketball, don't worry about it. And then he'll (laughs) go score like 60 points. And he would just, he could do that right-handed, left-handed, he once won our yard game Olympics with a broken collarbone playing left-handed. And he's just that natural athlete that doesn't have to work at anything. I've had to always work at everything And as you mentioned that I should just let it go, I start thinking about that, just kind of that nature of how I've always approached sports that I've always looked at it as like, all right, if I can figure out the mechanics of this, I can be successful at it. But I'm at the point now, like you say in my stroke, that it's holding me back because I'm not having that momentum from the arm of just, letting it fly, I'm not rotating enough, I'm too stiff. It's like, it's like I'm forcing it. And it's forcing me to think about it in other aspects of the sport. And that'll hopefully make it easier for me to run faster and open up the stride and and kind of let it rip in open water. Um, it's just different for me because it's always been a really stiff approach that I've taken to all sports. So. Um, am I gonna get there? I really hope so. It's just a complete paradigm shift for me beyond just that swim.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And it, one of the best pieces of advice I got—I um, can't remember who it was from—but it's it's the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And that was more in relation to um, you know if if you apply yourself in in sport, then usually that will transfer over to your to your work and to to family and everything. So you know the you don't, um, you normally see that there's a lot of similarities in how people approach things. And, but I guess it applies as well to maybe that, you know, rigidity and and, and stiffness in, um, in swimming, if that transfers across to the, to the running. And um, it is, it is certainly one of the harder things to develop in, in swimming. It's really the, the art instead of the science of it. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really curious as to see, see a video of you in the next couple of months time to, um see how you go with just being that little bit you know looser with it and and a bit more assertive in the stroke and just um and getting into that flow and there's no reason no reason why you can't do it with um with the amount of practice you put into it and um yeah it's just do you, are you are you more of sort of an engineer type where it's you just you know, think things through and um you, and, and analyze everything or are you more of the like uh you know the airy fairy sort of artsy type <laughs>
0: Uh, very much more the engineer type. My mom has a story of when each of us, there, were, there are three of us gazelle kids, and each of us in the little aquarium that she calls it, that you get wrapped up in the, the bundle after you're born, and then you get put in this little aquarium. She says that each of us were in those first few hours as humans the way that we turned out in life. So my <laughs> brother, the the airy-fairy guy, he was smiling and, and looking at all the nurses and making them laugh. And that's what he's like in life. My sister was screaming bloody murder <laughs> and I was trying to figure out the world. I was sitting there like, all right, okay, I gotta figure out what daycare I'm gonna go to. I gotta think about the pros and cons <laughs> of this. Um, yeah, I mean, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna be a soother person or am I gonna be a blanket person? Like, I don't know, And so she says <laughs> that right from day one, I was tremendously analytical and that's how I've kind of taken to everything. I've always thought that there there is not something that I could not figure out. Uh, like, if I was on a desert island and somebody needed
1: heart surgery, I would try my damnedest to
0: figure it out. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's so funny. It's uh, yeah, and yeah and I think you've you used that to your um you've used that to your advantage, the analytical side of things um where yeah you've you've dug so you've dug really deep into all of um Jerry's stuff and you've worked with Lucy and seen what she does, and um pulled all of these really good resources and information together and um i think and and you've sort of figured that out and and put it into into your stroke, which is yeah which is really good to to see so um yeah it's it's almost going against what feels feels natural and when i'm running clinics one of the funny things that i often see is we'll do uh we do a filming at the start and then we do some we do analysis and then we do the drills section and we're working on making a couple of key changes with people and then we do a final filming at the end and in the final filming people are so wrapped up in their head with all right i've got to get this right and this right and this right mm-hmm. and they end up and for that last filming, what was happening for a while there was that because I think of so many things and they were just, they, they were sort of almost not even in their body. They were just so so much up in their head that they'd be focusing on three or four things and none of it would happen. And so what I've gotten to do now is just, I say to them, all right, pick one thing. That's all I want you to, to worry about. And, and then I kind of make a joke with them that, you know, you're going to, um, most people are just, so um overthinking things that they end up just very mechanical and controlled so what i want you to do here is just find that natural rhythm and flow as best as you can and just pick one thing to think about and that has made a a world of difference to to how that that final filming looks at the end because they're just um they're much more relaxed and especially with swimming you've got to be relaxed you've got to be um yeah you've got to be not overthinking things to um to really just get the feel for it so it's uh, it's a very hard one to do, isn't it? Because you know, you, as soon as you don't think about something, then it's very easy to go back to what your natural habit is. But uh, yeah, it's 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 finding that balance between the two.
0: Well, I really liked how last year when we started off, you you gave me I think it was four or five things that you pointed out. But in the end, you said, "All right, here's the first thing I want you to work on. Work on it at the start of a workout, maybe during your warm up." and then just get into the swim. And I think that's why it felt like I wasn't really making that much progress because, eh, you know, I'm doing a little bit of work on, um, I think it was like, it was my catch that you had me working on, and the positioning of the catch and the length of the pull through. And I worked on it a little bit in the warm up, and then i just get on with all my swims over the last bunch of months. And it allowed me to, I think, swim without focusing on nine different things. And I relate it to back when I was golfing. If you had to think about nine different things with every swing, every ball would be in the bunker or the bushes. And swimming's not that much different. Um, You don't end up in the bushes, but you can certainly have an awful stroke if you're thinking about too many things. And I love that you just simplified it down to, pick one thing, work on it a little bit at the start of the workout, And then just get on with your workout i i love that
1: Mm. and part of the reason that i that i take that approach now is uh, when i'm working on my own stroke when if i ever do a filming you know i i i know all of the ways to to you know change anything that i need to in my stroke but even then like i'll if i've got two things to think about i'll usually do none of them because i'm just it's too much for me so like if so I think all right if if this is my bread and butter if, if I if I'm thinking about swimming six to eight hours a day because I'm I'm coaching I might be in the pool and if I can't if I could still get confused or if I still forget and I still go back to those um, things that um, that you know that I want to try and avoid then what chance is someone who might be in the water for three hours a, a week and that's all they're thinking about um, that, that's three hours of, of swing that they think about a week instead of you know what might be 30 so it's um it's it's more of a realistic approach and it's an easy approach and um, as you know things don't happen overnight do they it's just it's it's a really gradual um, gradual progression and it's incremental and you know it's you've got to look at it at least 12 months 18 months in the future um, and have that sort of long-term approach because if you're wanting to get down from a 215 to a 145 in the space of six weeks or even six months for that matter then uh, your time frame's too short and you're just going to get get frustrated was there some what sort of feelings were you having going through these changes and working on things was there some frustration there
0: not really at all it didn't feel like i was really changing much i uh i don't know It just kind of felt like i was going through the process and trusting that the workouts from tower 26 combined with doing your drills during the warmups that it would end up resulting in good things. And I very much take the approach that I can't look at it week by week. I have to look like at most quarter by quarter. It's like looking at your investment portfolio. If, if you look at it every single day or every single week, you're going to freak out and not really think that you're making much gains. But if you look at just consistent work or patience, whether it's stocks or swimming, if you're doing the right things, it's going to be an upward trajectory, but when you're in the weeds looking at it on a week-by-week basis, it might not seem that way. So I really didn't look at it from the standpoint of am I making progress until I probably went from, um August until when you and I did the, the swim analysis to really see if there was progress. And it wasn't until probably fe- end of February before I started doing some timed efforts to see if it really manifested in actual faster swimming. So yeah, not a lot of, lot of frustration. It was just kind of like trust that it was gonna work out. I, I had yeah, some good, good people helping me between you and Jerry.
1: And you, uh, and I remember you posting a video. Um, You're sort of looking at your, um, it was the data from your your watch, I believe, and just tracking the overall um, hundred meter pace over the course of a couple of months. And it was quite an interesting graph. It had some ups, it had some downs, but their overall trajectory was was downwards in terms of getting getting faster. Uh, can you talk a little bit about about that data if you remember that video?
0: Yeah. So what happened there was. I got the Garmin 935 in, I wanna say it was April of last year, 2018. And for some reason, people who follow me on Instagram really like seeing how far I swim and how fast I swim. So I'm not a big believer in always swimming with a watch, but I did it just so that I could get the good Instagram photo. And <laughs> I started tracking my, my distance swam and the average, average 100 Uh, average time per 100 meters or yards, depending on what pool I was swimming in. And what happened is from April until my key race, Half Ironman Worlds in South Africa, I saw a slow progression of getting faster and faster as we started including more and more speed work and I got a little bit better. And then from that time until middle of January, my times actually got slower because we were working on so much technique during the off season with the kicking and tightness in the body and alignment, the time actually went up. And I wasn't tracking this as I was doing it, I was just hit save on my watch and whatever happened, happened. And then when I started looking at it for that video, it would have been middle of February, I wanna say, or, or end of February, probably middle of February, and we had started doing more speed work. And what happened is as soon as we started doing speed work, the times plummeted. So it was, it was like I had built the foundation of swimming and better technique, but I had to get slower before I got faster. And now that I am faster, my ceiling of, of my potential is that much higher than it was last year because within about four weeks of adding in some speed, my times are already faster than the fastest average times that I was putting out last year. So, it was really neat to actually start analyzing that and seeing how a season unfolds.
1: Yeah, uh, it is it's uh, it, it is really interesting and it also I think in terms of the the mindset with swimming, when you start to when you start to do that, you you, you know, you level up and once you bring that time down another couple of seconds, what you believe is is possible changes as well. And that helps a lot with then getting faster in the next six months and 12 months. What mentally for you, How's has it been um, in terms of your belief of what you can do with your swimming? How's it changed?
0: Well, I just did half Ironman Puerto Rico this past weekend, and I still don't think that I'm a front pack swimmer. I, I don't know if I'll ever be a front pack swimmer because that's often filled with ex swimmers and people that are swimming 25, 26 minutes per 1900 meters and a half Ironman. But I got up to that line and it wasn't even a, the start line and it wasn't even a question this weekend of, am I going to line up right at the front? And sure, I'll let the front pack swim away from me and I know that I'm not going to get on their feet, but there was no question in my mind of, should I be in the second pack or not? Like, am I, am I a capable swimmer enough to regardless of whether it's a wetsuit or a non-wetsuit or there's chop, can I have a successful swim? And this was the fastest by far non-wetsuit swim that I've ever done. And it's actually faster than some of the previous wetsuit swims that I've ever done. So it's like the swim is not even a factor in most races. I kind of just look at it as a warm-up now.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's so good. And we were talking before on the call, uh, before the call um, about uh, one of the guys that I do some video for, and um, who's a part of your team, Trainiac, is uh, is Ben, and, and this was his first half Ironman race, and he'd never swum that distance nonstop um, in in the open water, and it was, you know, it was, it was something that in the back of his mind, he was like, oh, I don't, you know, hopefully I can make it there continuously. Um, I might need to stop every now and then to get my you know, breath back. Uh, but you know coming from you know, no swimming background being afraid of the water he got through that swim and and now he's you know and now he's ticked that one off and it's just going to add a, a feather to his cap in terms of confidence in himself and belief in what he can do it's just uh um, did you see him after the race did you get to chat to him afterwards
0: yeah we actually went for dinner i, I saw him during the race and uh it was kind of funny i when I saw him, when we were passing each other on the run, my instinct was to go up and hug him. And normally I don't, (laughs) I don't really even give people thumbs up when they say like, good job, Taryn. But just to see that Ben actually existed on the run, because that meant that he got through the swim. He was so happy. And when we went for dinner the next day uh, or the day after he was, yeah, he was thrilled with, with the fact that he got through that swim and and really excited for i think what the next race is going to be
1: Mm. yeah it's it's so good to uh to see and it's um and and as a coach now i've coached people from uh who are who are quite brand new to swimming to to those that are you know the very sort of top of their game and it's um everyone's at different stages in their triathlon or their swimming career. And everyone's got different different goals, and you know once you really get to know people and you get to know what their their background is and what their story is and, and why they're why they're doing these you know crazy triathlons or or crazy swims, and you yeah, actually get to see them o- overcome these fears and and achieve these things that they've set out to do twelve months in the future. It's just you know, that's what that's what's really enjoyable from a, a coaching perspective, but also just in seeing. Um, you know, friends and, and other people do those things. It's uh, That's what I really get a, a kick out of. And I'm sure you probably see a lot yourself with, with the amount of people that you're in contact with through all the stuff that you do.
0: Well, I'm so much more motivated by the people that are like working really hard to finish a race and have the confidence to finish a race or starting multiple half Ironmans, not making the cutoff time. And the next race is the race that they want to, actually finish under the cutoff time and that's their goal, then I am motivated by like, I, I'm sorry, Lucy, but like you're a fast person trying to be faster or in my case, like I wanted to do a 137 half marathon at the end of the half Iron Man and I did a 142 like ah oh, boohoo. Um, like <laughs> I, I think the the life-changing um, goals that people set to change who they are as a person, that gets me way more jazzed up than the goals of like improving your swim or improving your bike marginally or improving your, your run marginally. I really like those stories of Ben going from like as you know, when he came and saw me and we did a training camp in September, he couldn't swim a length of the pool. And now he he's a half Iron Man now because of of the work that you did with him.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's so, it's awesome to see. Yeah, and there's a, a, a friend of mine, she, um, I've known her for a couple of years. She is uh, doing open water swimming. And one of the things that she wanted to do over the, the summer holidays was swim uh, half of the, the bay in Melbourne. So Melbourne's got uh, Port Phillip Bay. And she wanted to do 10, uh, 10 kilometers for 10 days where she'd start at the, the entrance of the bay and then she would swim around the the coast there and make her way up to basically melbourne melbourne city and i'm looking at this going, oh my god like i don't know if i i'd I'd need to put in some serious training and um i don't know how old um how old she is but she's probably oh yeah twice my age right so and she did this over the summer holidays and got through it didn't complain just um yeah, every morning got up and and swam the ten k. She had a husband in the kayak next uh, next to her um, with the feeds and helping with direction and and everything. And it's just just incredible to see. And you know, ninety nine percent of people uh, couldn't couldn't do that, but she just sort of set a set her mind on it, um, just did it. It wasn't an organised event. She they just kind of mapped out where they wanted to go, and um, went down there and did it. And I uh, just look at that and go, man, that's uh, that's awesome. That's something that I would love to to do so it's it's very inspiring and it makes me think about what you know all right what what things would get me get me off the couch and and get me out of out of bed in the morning to um to train and sort of achieve you know or challenge me i think so it's stuff like that 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 really fires me up so it's it's really cool to see
0: yeah i i like the the concept of that um the jacques who i mentioned before that was a really, really talented ITU athlete. He was one of the people that did the 37 kilometer open water swim with us. And he was actually our nutrition guy for the first 27 kilometer open water swim that I did. And when we were doing the 37 kilometer open water swim, because it was in a pretty dirty water body water, a lot of people really didn't like that we were doing it. And his response was always, why can't you guys just have a sense of adventure and people would ask why are you doing this like can't can't three buddies just go on an adventure and try to do something cool that they don't know that they can do and and that was his attitude like even though he was uh like trying to get to the olympics as a kid he's still trying to find those adventures of feeling that sense of like not sure if he can do it or not
1: yeah and that's that's what's really fun yeah I like looking at the map and going I'd love to like run from here to here or I'd like to bike from here to here or, or swim from from you know, a, a certain point point. and it's that uh I don't know it's like a just that call to adventure it's it's what um I think we all we all really like like to do as as kids and then when we become these grown up and serious adults we just kind of lose that sense of play and adventure and uh yeah once you get that back I, that's what I um i don't know that's what i find most enjoyable like i bought i bought a uh a mountain bike the other week because i we've got these really good trails around um around my place but i've just never never got the chance to ride them so i went to uh, aldi i don't know if you got aldi in uh where you, no. where you live but it's kind of like a no. uh What's discount it's, oh, it's kind of like a, a supermarket but they they like a discount supermarket and every week they have these deals and it's just random things like it might be tents one week it might be uh cooking stuff another week and last week they had a a mountain bike which was 90 dollars. i couldn't find on second hand for 90 dollars, so I, I bought a 90 mountain bike put it together and for the last couple of days i've just been riding around these trails and just kind of going off um not taking um not just tracking where i'm going just just exploring and, and just finding some trails around the place and it's been so much fun just getting out there and you know set off for an hour and a half or two hours and just sort of see where i where i end up and um yeah just getting back to that sort of sense of play is is, is really enjoyable now the bike did fall apart two days ago where i had to stop <laughs> in at my my in-law's place and the hat the, the wheel had almost come off and the handlebars had almost come off but luckily i uh, i was a k away from my in-law's place and uh, i could get it tightened, but uh I will eventually upgrade to a better bike, but I just wanted to see if I was going to use it or not. Um, but that, that's, that was all part of the adventure as well.
0: <laughs> that, that sounds like when my wife Kim and I, we go to Kona, often when we travel to anywhere, instead of renting a car, we'll go and buy some bikes from Target or Walmart or something like that and bike around. And there was one year that we both bought these cheap bikes and Walmart wouldn't let me actually put it together. So they had to put it together, they wheel it out, and they're like, here you are, sir, here's your bike. And I'm like, okay, must be safe. He he probably does this all day. And we end up going down the hill, and I'm going like 40 kilometers an hour, and the handlebars fall off. And I'm like, what the? Uh, (laughs) Uh, So I took it back, and as we were trying to take it back, the chain on my wife's bike fell off. I'm like, all right, give me the tools. I'm gonna need these. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, I think I should have uh, not trusted Aldi in putting it together. I should have, should have tightened things up a little bit first. Yeah. But, I don't um, think they're certified
0: bike mechanics.
1: No, not at all. <laughs> it's all part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. well, um, so for you, what, what's next for you? What have you got coming up in the next uh, couple of months in terms of races? What things have uh, you got in terms of your YouTube channel and, uh, and other things happening?
0: We've got Challenge Roth is the next big race, and I might throw another half Ironman in between there, I'm not totally sure, but this is going to be my first full distance race that I'm doing at Challenge Roth, and that's middle of July. And interesting project that I'm doing with that is a guy named Dan Pluz, who might be actually more familiar with a lot of people from Down Under. Um, He's uh, in New Zealand right now, he won Kona in 2018, he won the amateur race and set the all-time amateur course record in 8.24 and ran something like a 250, like the fifth fastest run of the day as an amateur. And he's a sports scientist and the coach of Terenzo Bison. And he does all of this with a low carb diet. And he does the research on it and publishes, I think he's been published in a couple of dozen papers and he's actually going to be working with me just as like a fun project to document on YouTube to see how I can or can't adapt to low carb, high fat training. So we're doing like fat oxidation testing and uh, I've got an adaptation period of three weeks coming up where I'm doing full keto and still training for it and then backing off and re-adding in some of the carbs. Um, So that project's gonna be really, really fun. I'm looking forward to that a lot. And uh, the couple of things that you mentioned, we launched teamtrainiac.com at the beginning of the year and uh, just, um, this, is, this is like groundbreaking news, this is like the f- official worldwide announcement, just now launched protriathlontraining.com. So that's where we've got the courses that we've put together with Lucy talking about how to swim uh, Cam Worf talking about how to bike, Sarah True with how to run, Marinda Carfrey, Tim O'Donnell and their strength coach, Aaron Carson with how to strength train for triathlon. So it's uh, it's kind of a neat period where last year at this time, all we had was a bunch of YouTube videos and, and I was thinking, I had my engineer mind, like how in the hell do I make a living off of this? And now we've got like actual products and, and things that we, Uh, are offering and things that we can say like, oh, here is a program that we've put together and and think is really cool. And hopefully people think the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Congratulations on, on putting everything together and it's, um, and it takes, takes time, doesn't it? I mean, four years, four years ago you started and, um, now it, it seems like it's on that trajectory where it's just, you're really getting that, that, that exponential growth and, um, and you know, you deserve it. I mean, the amount of content that you you put out there, and and I know you've got a bit of help with it, but it's still just uh, a video every day uh, is is amazing. I I'm lucky if I do one a week. Um, so I think I could uh, maybe you can put out a course on that. I'll definitely get yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll how how get to that. Pu-
0: how to put out more videos? <laughs> yeah, just put yeah, just what. set your expectations way low. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Don't so, worry about no, them being good. Just talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe if I spend less time in my hair in the morning I'll uh I'll be able to have a bit more time during the day to uh that to I do it. Or just with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh well thanks for joining me on the podcast, Harry. It's, uh thanks for been having been really me. good chatting with you and um yeah, you had me on your podcast the other week, which I, I really enjoyed and um yeah, looking forward to working with you in the future and doing some more follow up videos and then six years down the track when you're in the front of the pack, and you've got people on your feet. You know that'd be a, a good story to uh, to tell.
0: Oh yeah, and the with I, I'm already planning out my my finish line. Uh, thank you to Jerry Rodriguez <laughs> and Brent from Effortless Swimming, and uh, and now I'm going to Disney World. Like uh, yeah, you'll you'll get a mention <laughs> in my winner's acceptance speech. <laughs> thank thanks. Oh, but I in all to seriousness, yeah, thank thanks <laughs> so much. <laughs> Thanks so oh, much for your help pleasure. over the last, last year. Um, you were a big part in, in the entire stroke. Uh, wasn't just Jerry or you, it was a real big team effort. And uh, both of you together, it was great to go through last year. So thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for listening to the
0: Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.